This message was presented at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. All right, good morning. How are you guys all doing? Good, doing well. Happy New Year to all of you. Um, my name is Ryan, uh, and this is my wife, Christy, and um, we are both from uh, Loma Linda, California. And uh, I just want to make a quick, uh, discla- or not disclaimer, but housekeeping note. On your Attendify app, if you saw that the title of this message was called Teamwork, um, it's actually, it actually was changed. Um, we're actually going to be sharing our testimony. So we mentioned that last night, so just so you guys are aware. So we'll be sharing um, how Christy and I came together and committed our lives to God. Um, and so we'll plan to share the things that God has taught us along our journey, and particularly um, what it means to live um, in these last days and what we believe is a, a vital duty of ours. And so we'll be sharing our story um, with you this morning. So well, we have a lot to cover. There's a lot that happens in someone's story. So we'll get started right away. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we're so thankful to be here um, this morning. Lord, I just want to pray right now that your Holy Spirit will be in this room. I pray that you will speak through um, Christy and I this morning. Lord, may you share the story that you've written for us, not the one that we think we live. And Father, I just want to pray that everyone in here, Lord, whatever they're going through, each and and individually, Lord, that you'll speak to their hearts. Lord, if there's something they need to hear this morning, I pray it'll be shared. Lord, that we may be prepared for you when you come back on that morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I mentioned, my name is Ryan. Um, I... uh, I currently work as a physical therapist um, in Loma Linda, California. I did Loma, or physical therapy school there. Um, my journey to get there was actually quite interesting, and that's partially what I'm going to share with you this morning, and then also how I got married to this lovely lady over here. Um, so I'm just going to get right into it. Um, how many of you guys were born into a Seventh-day Adventist home? Okay, good. So a lot of you can relate to, maybe relate, hopefully not actually, but you might be able to relate to what I'm about to share. So um, I was born into a Seventh-day Adventist home. Um, I, uh, ever since I can remember, um, the Sabbath has been something we keep. Um, we eat Big Franks. We are vegetarian. Um, we go to camp meetings. I play with felts. You guys seen felts? Yes? Is that still a thing? Okay, we play with felts. Um, basically, my, the whole culture I grew up in um, was very Adventist. My dad was always a deacon or an elder in our church. My mom was a pianist, so she'd always play the piano. Um, and so in my church family and in my church circle, this was just, this was life ever since I can remember. It was just Adventism. This is what we do. Okay. Can anyone relate to that experience? Maybe partially. You, you guys are born and you, this, this is all you know. Um, and so As I'm going through this experience, I want to share something that happened to me. Um, If you didn't know, um, you can actually live within an Adventist home and not be converted to Adventism. And I'm a walking example of that, and I will show you what happened in my life. Um, You see, early on, I started to become um, aware that um, I would go to church and I would um, listen to how Adventists have the truth. We have all the understandings, all the prophecies, all the, all the teachings, which is true. There's a lot that we know. Um, but I didn't really see it being lived out in the life in my church circle. Um, it, was a very, um, it was a very contradictory experience for me. Um, 
And as a result, I never learned actually what it meant to be a Seventh-day Adventist. I'm not blaming anyone for this. This was just my experience. And I'll share with you uh, what's so important that we need to have later on. So basically, I grew up and I did everything that I thought qualified me to be a Seventh-day Adventist. But I didn't have an identity. I didn't have a mission. I didn't know what it meant to be an SDA. So basically, I was homeschooled until I was about the age of 10. And when I was 10, I got put into um, the, um, an Adventist school. And the, the, uh, the children um, that I was associating with, they didn't um, actually, well, probably more than half of them were not Adventist or did not at least live the same Adventist lifestyle that I did. So I quickly realized I was different. I quickly realized that I had a culture that not everybody else lived. And because I didn't know why, I quickly um, became insecure. Um, and I didn't really understand why I should be doing what I was doing. And because of my insecurity, it led me to actually want to seek to fit in with my friends. This is a normal thing I think we all go through. You don't want to be different, right? I mean, at least you don't, naturally you don't want to be different, unless you know why you're different. So I never, I felt different, didn't know why I was different. I just knew this, this is what we did. And so quickly, um, as I started to want to fit in with my friends, I started to become involved in things that um, my friends were doing. So I got exposed to video games. I got exposed to um, music, rock music, particularly for my friends. Um, and I started to actually gain a love for these things at a very young age. Um, and uh, I'm not going to sit here and talk about all that. I'm just going to say that this led to more experiences later on. I actually developed this, the, these two lives. Um, one life was my heart was with my friends. I wanted to be outside of my home doing these things that were more fun than what was in my house, um, meaning the culture I was around. I love my family, don't get me wrong, but it, was, it, was, it wasn't as fun. I found this entertainment value outside. So this would actually start to grow and grow, and I would get to high school, and I would go to one of our academies. And in academy, this is where things really escalated. Um, in academy, you obviously get more exposed to more people. Um, you're a little bit older. You're starting to be exposed to more things older kids are exposed to. So um, not too long into my high school experience, um, this, this rift between the life I wanted to live with my friends and the life I wanted to live at home started to get bigger. And um, pretty soon I got involved in uh, drinking. I got involved in drugs. Um, and um, I got really deeply into metal music. I actually bought a drum set. Um, and I would, one of my favorite things to do to, to release this energy inside of me um, was to play drums. And um, not only that, I got involved into pornography um, a lot with my friends. And this really became a secret life that I would live. When I would go home, I would do everything that qualified me to be an Adventist <laughs> in front of my family. But with my friends, it was totally different. It was a different life. And I had to live these two lives separately. I tried to keep them apart. Um, some of you may or may not be able to relate to this. Again, like I said, hopefully not. But if you are, there's hope I'll share with you. Um, and so this really became my experience. Um, my family sensed that something was different, something was wrong. Um, but I, I hit it pretty well. <laughs> and um, at least so I thought. Anyway, so I would go throughout high school, and, and this, was, this started to become my identity. I became very disillusioned with um, the Adventist life. Um, it was just kind of like, yeah, I, it's, it's something I grew up doing, but this is way more fun, and I'm, I'm finding a lot more fulfillment and identity in my friends, in my friend circle. I felt accepted. I felt warm there. My insecurities could be kind of 
hushed there um, because everybody was kind of doing the same thing. So high school would end, um, still doing all these things in high school. And um, because I was so absorbed in what I wanted to do and just having fun, I'll show you just a brief picture. I'm not going <laughs> to this picture long. If you want to see my attitude in high school, um, that was my attitude in high school. Um, I mean, that pretty much encompasses it. I was looking for anything fun and anything to do that didn't have anything to do with the life I grew up with. So I'm going to quickly go through that one. Um, and um, so I, it, it comes to the end of high school, and I literally get to this point where I, I, I don't know where I'm going to go next. I know the logical thing is, oh, we go to college. But I was so absorbed in my friend group and, and what I was focused on, just finding the next excite, exciting thing to do, um, that I didn't, uh, I didn't even know where I wanted to go to college. I didn't even know what I wanted to do with my life. And so this is how I decided where I went to college. I asked all my friends. I said, where are you guys going to college? They all said, oh, well, you know, we're going to we're gonna go to PUC because, you know, PUC is like kind of close to home because in Southern California is where I grew up. So I said, all right, cool, I'm going to go to PUC. Um, because that's where my friends were going. That's how I made decisions at the time. <laughs> okay, so I know, it's kind of crazy. That's, it's true. And little did I know, there would be one thing that I heard in my ear that God would use later on, and someone said, hey, so what are you going to study? I don't even remember who said this to me. And I said, I, I have no idea. I, I like sports. I like uh, these things. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know you do great at physical therapy. You should do physical therapy. And it was just like a, a, a note in my mind. I was like, yeah, okay, great. All right, I guess I'll do physical therapy because I had no other idea. So I chose physical, pre-physical therapy. I get to college, and um, at college, this is where um, a lot would change for me, even more so. Because remember, when I left my home, my home was the only place that um, had some sort of influence in my spiritual life. Um, and I say meaning just the home I grew up in. So when I left that, um, I binged. Um, and I binged on what I wanted. Uh, there was no control. There was no one telling me or encouraging me to live a certain way. So um, just to give you an idea, my, most, of my, most of my nights would be playing video games from late at night till like 3 or 4 in the morning. And I would sleep until 1 p.m. Um, and then call up my people and say, all right, where are we going out tonight to do whatever? Um, this was kind of a common thing for me. Um, and this happened for about couple quarters, uh, my grades would completely suffer, as you can imagine. And uh, my academic advisor told me, you know what, there's no way you're going to do pre-PT or physical therapy with grades like this, so you better, you better change to something else. So I was like, okay. Um, and as was my life at the time, I said, I'll just, I'll just go undecided for now. Undecided. No career choice. I'll just kind of do my generals and see what happens. Um, again, that was my mentality. Um, so um, this would continue on, uh, this lifestyle, not choosing what I was doing, not doing well in school. And I don't know if any of you have hit this moment, but when you, when you actually start to deeply indulge in what you want, you actually become very depressed. You become extremely depressed. And this happened to me. I didn't even realize I was becoming depressed. But I started to become extremely afraid of where my life was going. I was completely directionless, and I could sense it but I didn't know how to fix it. Um, I was controlled by this desire to, to fulfill my, um, my desire for fun and excitement. Um, and I was extremely afraid and I didn't know where to turn. I would just put on a face for my friends. And it was in this moment 
for the first time that I realized I needed help, and again, I didn't know where to go. But I remember growing up <laughs> that if you need help, who do you turn to? <laughs> you turn to Jesus. You turn to God. So I was like, so this was how, this was how cursory my experience was. I was like, okay, I have to do something. And mind you, I grew up understand, or at least listening to all these Adventist teachings that we've had about Jesus, some of those most beautiful teachings. But it never was applied to my life. And for the first time, I was like, I need something. I don't know what it is. And I said, okay, yeah, I need to turn to Jesus. And so I said, okay, um, so I guess what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to read the Bible and pray. So I said, okay. I remember pulling out my little iPod touch thing we had, little Bible app, pulled it up. And um, at night, I would just read a Bible verse. I didn't know what I would, I would just read it. And, um, and then I would say a prayer and say, you know, um, you know, Lord, help me to be good. I mean, that, that was how cursory my experience was. And so little did I know, um, God would start to work. But before I continue, um, I'm going to invite my wife up to share her experience. Hi, everyone. Um, well, uh, you may have heard last night that uh, I spent 16 years in the entertainment industry uh, as, as a film and television actor. And uh, that was my first career, and I thought it was going to be my only career. Um, so uh, I put together some photos of what my life was like there and the kinds of roles that I played over the years, uh, just to give you a, you know, a visual of how my life was. Um, that over there, the second one down from the left, uh, I played a witch. Um, that one's a little dark, but I played a prostitute and a murderer there. Um, I played a cop up there. You can see the uniform here. I played a kid trapped on a deserted island. Um, so you may be wondering, how does the Seventh Day of Venice get to this point? <laughs> because uh, I was born into a Seventh Day Adventist family. Uh, if Ryan's family was a typical Seventh Day Adventist family, mine was not. Uh, I basically would call my life uh, to be an, a nominal, I was a nominal Seventh-day Adventist. I knew that we went to church on Saturdays, and that's about it, and I couldn't tell you why. Um, as a kid, I, I would consider myself a really big nerd. I really, really loved school. I loved to learn. I loved to read, and uh, I started to excel in a lot of things. Um, everything I did, I wanted to do well. Um, everything I did, I wanted to do 110%, give all of my effort. Uh, so, you know, I, I was a little bit of an overachiever. Um, and I was also pretty tough as a kid. Um, I, my mom went through a divorce when I was really little, and so it kind of got to that point where, you know, I was that kind of person who said, I can take care of myself. I can do things on my own. I don't need you. I don't need any help. Um, I'm self-sufficient. I can handle it. Uh, and that's the way I was, and that's the way I kind of grew up in, in school as well. Um, and as I began to excel in school, I began to get a lot of awards and a lot of accolades and a lot of praise for the things that I did. Uh, education-wise, and I especially had an interest in singing and performing and acting, and those are the kinds of awards that I got. Uh, you know, 
summa cum laude and uh, the the best performer and most likely to succeed. And I, you know, I got got in early to Stanford. You name it, and I got it. And at first, it was it was like you know I just like to do what I like to do, and that's the reason why I did it. But as time went on and you get used to getting these kinds of praises and these accolades, you start to like and get used to and start to want to live up to that image. Um, so the other important thing that started happening around this time as I started getting more involved in singing and performing too was that my family stopped going to church. Why? Because it was never that important to begin with, so why should it be now? Even, even less so. Uh, I had singing performances, um, school activities to do. All of those things were more important to us at the time. So my life continued on. Um, a few years would pass, and I find myself as a freshman in high school. I'm in the fall play, and there's a manager there who's scouting. Um, he manages young actors and actresses, and he wanted to sign me. And so I ended up signing with him, and my life really began to change at that time. Um, uh, I really guess you could say I went through the school of the entertainment industry. Psalm 106.35 says, but were mingled among the heathen and learned their works. And that's what I did. I learned how to talk like them and look like them and behave like them. Um, I learned how to wear a lot of makeup. I learned how to wear revealing clothing. Um, I learned how to swear. Uh, these were the kinds of things that I had to do for my job. Uh, I took headshots um, and went to photo shoots. I went to auditions to get a job. And remember, I was that person who did everything 110%. And I said, okay, this is gonna be my career for the rest of my life and I'm gonna do the best I possibly can in it. So I went into this full throttle. Um, and uh, at the end um, you know, of about, what, is, what was it, five years? I started this when I was 15, 16. At the end of five years, I had um, then graduated from high school. I had graduated from college, and I had worked all the while that I was going to school um, and had gotten a lot of work, more and more work, and had had a little bit of success at this point. And I suddenly found that I was a very different person. Um, I was proud, and I was competitive, and I was ruthless, and I definitely thought I was better than everyone else. Um, all those other girls in the waiting room couldn't stand up to me. Um, I uh, was self-sufficient. I could handle myself. I was tough. I was that girl who was empowered and who I wanted everyone to want, but no one could have me. That kind of image. And those were the kinds of roles that I went out for. And so I crafted, carefully, carefully craft, crafted this, this image. Um, and uh, I'll give you a good example. Um, it's a sensitive topic, but it's a reality in the entertainment industry of where my mindset was at the time. Um, 
when my first manager signed me, one of the first things that he asked me was, are you comfortable with nudity? And I said, uh, no, absolutely not. I will not. No, not for anything. And then a few years passed, and uh, my answer was, okay, well, only if the role is really good. And then um, a few years passed after that, and it was, I don't care. I'm going to get that role, nudity or no. But the only difference was, was that in my head, I didn't think that I was like that. I, I thought I still had the same morals. I thought I still had the same standards that I had when I had begun as an actor. And so my reality um, was different from the reality. And uh, it's so imperceptible that you don't even realize it. Um, so I'm sitting there. You know, I have, like I said, I, I had had a, a little bit of success in my early 20s. I was a regular on a TV show. I had bought myself uh, a home in West Hollywood. I had bought myself a brand new car that I was super proud of. My mentality was spend, 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 and spend some more. I would um, drop $700 on a pair of sunglasses. I was smoking and drinking and partying and um, snorting and doing things with people that I shouldn't have. And uh, I was that person who kept a perpetual carton of cigarettes in the trunk of my car, and I bought cases of wine weekly. And those are just the kosher things. Um, and I was very proud of it. So I remember this one day very distinctly. I was sitting in my home. I remember exactly what I was doing. I remember exactly what room I was in. And this thought suddenly popped into my head. And the thought was, I don't think there is a God. And uh, it's very interesting when you think about it, because I hadn't thought of God in 15 years. I hadn't gone to church in 15 years. It just popped, just like that. Which tells me one thing, is that whether you realize it or not, whether you're aware of it or not, it all always comes down to who we worship. So I'm sitting there thinking, well, I made all of this success on my own. I didn't need anyone to do this. I did this on my own merit, my own talent, my own gifts, my own hard work, my own dedication. I don't need God. And I don't even know if he really exists. Isaiah 47.10 says, And thou hast said in thine heart, I am, and none else beside me. And that's uh, the same thought that I was having. And... Um, the next thing after that I remember is that I couldn't get a job. I, uh, I couldn't get any work. And month after month after month passed and uh, no job, uh, which meant that I couldn't pay my mortgage. It also meant that I had uh, years of unpaid back taxes that uh, I had yet to pay, of course. and. Um, bunch of credit card debt. Um, and not only that, but uh, turns out that when it rains, it pours. So um, I broke up with my boyfriend at the same time. And my grandpa, who I was really, who I'm really close to, had a massive heart attack. And everything was just blowing up. Everything was being destroyed. 
Um, Lamentations 120 says, For I have grievously rebelled abroad, the sword bereaveth. At home, there is his death. And that's what it really felt like, um, symbolically to me. Um, So I'm sitting there, and I'm on the brink of declaring bankruptcy. And at the last second I don't, I foreclose on my home. Um, And uh, I move in with my parents. And that was the first time I really had ever failed big time. Um, And that was the first time that I really understood that I needed someone, that I couldn't do it on my own. And it's so funny, right? It's like it took not very much at all to to defeat me. (laughs) Just one little thing. Um, And all the cards crumbled. Um, So I'm sitting there in a hospital room. And uh, I'm with my grandpa, who survived the, the heart attack. And he was about to have open-heart surgery. And um, this is him. It's my poppy. And um, I'm sitting there, and we're coming up with a bucket list. And we're coming up with a bucket list of all the things that he's going to do when he gets out of the hospital. And I had this thought that I had... I, I had never said to anyone, but it was this thought that I, that I just kept on thinking about and thinking about and thinking about. And finally, I just, I just said it. I said it out there in this hospital room. I said, I know. Let's go back to church. And I'll take you. And um, we did. When he got out of the hospital, I started taking him and my, my grandma back to church. And in a few months after that, uh, my whole entire family was going back to church. And it was, um, I don't know, it had been nearly 20 years since we had. And I couldn't tell you why at the time. Like, I couldn't tell you why I wanted to go. But I knew that I needed that. Psalm 106.44 says, Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry. And um, whether I could say it out loud at the time, it was a cry for help. And God answered my prayer. And none of this would have happened had it not been for the fact that I couldn't get work, and I had to foreclose on my home, move in with my parents, and I'll never, ever forget it. December of 2010. So, Christy... um goes through this experience where she's back at home, going back to church. And now I'm going to transfer you back over to me at PUC. Um, So I'm at PUC. And if you recall, I had entered this deep state of depression. And I started actually picking up, for the very first time that I can recall in my life, picking up the word of God and actually reading it for my own intention. Um, It wasn't for class. It wasn't for Sabbath school. It was because I needed it. So... I'm reading it. Um, I can't tell you. I can't. I, I don't remember verses. I don't remember things that were like, "Oh, yes, I'm, I needed that." Praise the Lord. And no, it didn't. It wasn't like that for me. I just d- was doing it routinely. But Psalm one nineteen one thirty says, "The entrance of thy words giveth light; it giveth understanding unto the simple." And I was very simple. I was a very simple person. But little did I know, understanding was coming. But I didn't even realize it was coming. You know, God works with us in our times when we need help. 
He'll bless the efforts. And so I was doing what I knew at the time of how to have a relationship with him. And little things would start to change. Now, I'm going to uh, kind of a, it wasn't a, a massive transformation for me. It was a slow process, but there were a couple big highlights along the way, and I'm going to share them with you. The first thing that came to my mind as I started having these, these little devotionals um, was I sensed that people were doing things with their lives that was meaningful, and I wasn't. And I was like, okay, I'm undecided. I don't have a career. All my friends around me, you know, in college, that's what people are like, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go here. I'm going to be this professional. I'm going to do this. Um, that wasn't me. <laughs> so I, I, I was like, okay, I need to figure out what, I, what I'm good at and what I want to do. So I went to my academic advisor, my academic advisor at, at school, and she said, well, here, take this, uh, take this test. You know, those aptitude tests? Yeah. So I was like, okay, great. I'll take one of those. And, you know, you, you answer all the questions, and then it comes out with this little bar graph of how high you rated on where you'd fit. And it was like math. <laughs> you know, English was like, eh, you know. And then, like, you know, teaching was a little bit up there, and then some other things, other things. And then there was one that was just like, 97%. Medical field, and I was like, "What?" And then immediately, physical therapy popped back into my head, and I was like, "Nope, nope, can't do that. Way too hard. You need to get grades really good. You need good grades to get into PT school, by the way." Um, and so I was like, "There's no way I can do that." So I was like, "Okay, you know what? Let me just look at some um, medical choices that require the least amount of science classes." Um, this this was how I was in school. I was not a good student, right? Um, so I picked, um, and if there are anyone in the room, it's, this is a great career, by the way, but I just, it wasn't for me, radiation technology, x-ray tech. It didn't require at the time a lot of sciences. I think it requires more now, but it didn't at the time. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to try for that one. So, and again, it was just like whatever I could do because I had never experienced applying myself to anything. So I, I started doing that, and I started going through the classes. I started getting my grades or my, um, my classes aligned. I started actually going to the library and studying. Amazing for me. If you knew me at the time, you would know. It's hard to tell you now. Um, and I actually started studying, and, and the grades were actually doing okay. They were, they were going in the right direction. But I'll never forget 2010, what happened. Um, this was the first time I had an interaction with God. Um, and he's never quite spoken to me in an impression like this ever since. Um, but it was the strongest impression I've ever had. And I remember it was a Sabbath afternoon. I was surprisingly away from my friends. I cannot remember why. They were doing something, and I was by myself. I, have a, I, had, a, I had a bike in my dorm room. I was like, you know, I'm going to go on a bike ride. So I go on the bike ride, and if you've ever been up at PC, there's some beautiful areas back there to bike. And so I was, I was biking in the um, back area, and I remember coming up to this point where it was sunset just about, and I kind of parked my bike. I just, there was a bench, I just sat on the bench, and I was just staring at the sunset. I've always, I've always enjoyed sunsets, just very pretty. And so I was, I was sitting on the bench and just watching the sunset, it was just quiet. Just like, all you could hear were the breeze and the trees. And I was just sitting there, and I was, I was just reflecting. I didn't do this very much. I don't like to look at myself. We don't like to look at ourselves. We really don't. And so I was actually reflecting for a minute on my life. And as soon as I was reflecting this, this strong impression, I mean, it was like, it was a loud as day, but it wasn't words. It wasn't like audible. It wasn't, it wasn't a verbal, someone talking to me. It was just in my mind. It, God spoke to me in my mind. And what do you think he said? He said, go to church. <laughs> go to church? Not yet. Uh, he actually said, you have to do physical therapy. 
strange. You would think, you know, go to church or something like that. But no, he said, go, you need to do physical therapy. And it was just like, in this immediate fear went up in my heart, like, I can't do that. That is way too hard. I can't do that. No. It just kept coming stronger and stronger. You ever had your heart burn when God talks to you? When you know, you're, you're like, you're like I, I know I should do this, but I can't. It was one of those moments. I knew it was coming from God. So finally, after enough prompting, knocking at the door, if you will, I said, okay, God, you know what? <laughs> I'll do it, but you have to get me there because there is no way. And this was the moment that I didn't realize at the time. I took a step of faith, and I didn't even realize it. But when you take a step of faith, when God calls you to do something, he's got a plan. And so I took this step of faith. The very next day, I go to my academic advisor. Sunday morning, I go to my academic advisor. I'm like, I'm changing my career. And she's like, well, we just set you up for this one. And I was like, yeah, I know. And she's like, okay, okay. so what are you going to do? I'm like, uh, I'm doing physical therapy. She goes, what? And I was like, yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm going to do physical therapy. And she goes, okay, well, uh, here's what you have to do. Because this poor lady was like, uh, this guy's like, you got to study. And I was like, okay. So, um, so I, she's like, okay, well, here's what you have to do. Your science is, you know, she's trying to be nice. She's like, it's not that, you know, it's not very competitive. And I'm like, okay. She goes, you're going to need to take like these seven science classes. And she goes, and you have to get all A's. And, and to me, it was just like, so you're telling me to climb Mount Everest, basically, is what you're telling me. Um, and I was like, but I still had that conviction. And I said, okay, I'll do it. She goes, yeah, you're probably going to take summer chemistry as well. Um, do the whole year of general chemistry in the summer. And then do all those upper division science classes the next year if you want to apply in 2011. Okay. <laughs> so, so again, I'm going to fast forward this, this portion uh, because it was a slow process. But I'll just tell you what happened. I started applying myself how I knew. And the first few classes that I actually got A's in just was overwhelming to me. It was the moment where I was like, oh my word, I'm doing something I didn't think was possible. I know to you, you some, there might be some good students in here and you guys get A's, it's easy for you. It wasn't for me. So under, under, understand where I'm coming from. So, um, I mean, I was like, I remember going through summer chemistry. Oh my goodness. And I got all A's the whole time and I could not believe it. I did not know what was happening. But it was that moment where the... I just, I felt like I just saw God leading me in my life. I ended up getting all A's in all these upper division sciences, and I ended up liking them. I even became a TA for a couple of them. Can you believe it? My, my friends, like literally, it was so funny. There was one night, one of my friends, I won't repeat exactly what he said, but he was like, he walked into my dorm room. He's like, Ryan, he's like, dude, you grabbed your life by the horns, man. And like, he just like walked out. It was like, that, that's how they were like, you changed. And I didn't realize I was changing. I even started developing a little bit more of a spiritual life, um, slowly. Um, but my spiritual journey would really start to pick up when I got to Loma Linda. Oh, I, I jumped. But I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go anyways. So by the way, at the end of these science classes, my, my, science was, my science GPA was competitive enough to get into PT school. So I applied to Loma Linda and to Andrews. And um, I got into both, um, unbelievably. And I prayed... I prayed to God. I was like, Lord, I want you to take me where you want me to go. You know, where do you want me to go? And I felt this impression to go to Loma Linda. I said, good choice, because it's cold over there in Michigan. <laughs> so I was like, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I truly, I truly felt that God was leading me to Loma Linda. I didn't know why at the time, but you'll see why in a minute. 
So I get to Loma Linda, and at this point, I am on cloud nine. I'm like, God is leading me. I'm on fire. I'm like, man, uh, like I'm at the top of the mountain. I didn't think I could be here. And I was like, all right, you know what? Like, I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to start studying my Bible. And I was like, so I, I started my first devotional, like real devotional life. Like, I'm going to wake up, study the Bible. I'm even going to read this book that I heard about called Desire of Ages. Amen. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful book. And I was like, I was like, you know, again, that was like, I hadn't read any of these things. Um, and so I, you know, I pulled it open, great book. And I enter into this spiritual journey. And pretty soon, my on-fireness, if you will, died. And I was still doing devotionals. I was still reading the Bible, doing what I knew how to do. But something was wrong. Because all of a sudden, I felt like I have to get that, that feeling back. I, otherwise, I don't feel like God's leading me. So I would get into my devotion. I would, I would get into this experience like, oh, you know, okay, okay, I'm close to you now, God. You know, if I just feel bad enough for when I sin, I'm close to you now. If I just, you know, read enough, I'm close to you. If I, and, and at the time, recall that um, I, I still hadn't really changed a lot of what, a lot of what I was doing. Um, I, did, I did eventually stop um, drinking, just by the way, and doing drugs. Um, at the beginning of PUC, I didn't tell you that. But that eventually stopped because I, I started getting around the right people. But I was still heavily involved in music and drums. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to try and use my drums for God. So I started going into praise bands at churches. And I would play around local churches. And, and I used that as, an, as a way to elevate myself <laughs> to, a, to an experience. And then I would walk out after these, after these church services and just be like... And it was like it was gone. It was like you had this moment that you felt close, but it was gone. And it was like a roller coaster. I don't know if any of you guys can, can relate to this experience, but you feel close and then you feel far. And I'm here to tell you that how you feel is not an accurate description of where God is in your life. How you feel has no dictation of that. And I didn't realize that at the time, but that was my experience and I was struggling. And I was struggling so much until God placed certain, an, another group of people in my life. And I don't have my clicker, Christy, can you show me? Sorry. This is a group of guys that was put in my life later on in PT school. And I'm going through this experience. And these are a couple med students, a couple PT students um, at the time that I became really good friends with. And if, as you can see, we, we all um, cycled. We all enjoyed biking. So I'm there in the, uh, the tank top there. And there's one gentleman here um, that I'll introduce to you in a minute. But basically, we would go on rides every Sabbath morning. That was our routine. We'd wake up early, and we'd go on bike riding together. And... Um, so we were doing this for a long time, and there was one gentleman here. His name is uh, his name is Nick, and Nick was a little bit older um, than the rest of us, but and had a little bit more spiritual maturity. You could just tell when talking to him. He just he seemed a little bit more in, in, in tune with you know his spiritual life than all of us. All, a, a lot of us, by the way, in this picture had a very similar Adventist experience, just kind of ambivalent to it. Just it's kind of what we did, and. So one morning, Nick texted us before our ride, and he was like, you know, guys, I'm sorry I can't make it to the ride this morning. I'm actually going to go to a Sabbath school that starts pretty early. Sabbath school is called Advent Hope, and um, I'm not going to be able to make it. And I was like, and we were all like, oh, okay, that's weird. So anyways, we go on our bike ride, and he just continually misses Sabbath mornings. He just stops coming. And um, so and we were all pretty close-knit group. So, you know, like when, you, when someone's not there, you feel it. And we felt that with Nick. We, we really liked having Nick around. And so I remember um, 
this day was not a Sabbath ride. This was a Sunday ride. We went to the beach. Can you go to the next picture? Um, this was the ride on our way to the beach. And I was able to talk to Nick. Nick is actually right behind me. Um, I found this photo. I was amazed because this is exactly where a conversation happened that would <laughs> change my life. Um, I talked to Nick on this bike ride. And him and I just got started talking about spiritual things. I started sharing a little bit of my struggle with him spiritually. I actually opened up to him. And he was the only guy I opened up to about my spiritual walk. Um, and Nick was like, um, you know, he was just kind of understanding me, you know, trying to relate. And then I said, you know, man, you know, I think it'd be really cool. I was like, you know, maybe we should just get a bunch of guys together and study the Bible together. Like, let's just, let's just do something because I just feel like I'm just missing something with God here. And so he's like, oh, you know, that's a great idea. And he's like, and you know what? I'll bring the Bible studies. And I didn't, I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> I thought we just studied the Bible, but if you have studies, let's use them. Go ahead. So um, anyways, and so we, we uh, start planning. We start talking to all the guys. We're like, hey guys, you know, it'd be kind of cool. We're kind of like a little group. Let's just start a little like ministry type thing. Like let's study the Bible together. Maybe we'll do stuff together. And so um, we were all uh, at a point where God had us while we were all searching in our lives actually. And so uh, we start put together this little Bible study group, and um, we turn into a little ministry. And I'll share more about that, about that in just a moment. <laughs> uh, well, um, so after I started going back to church with my family, uh, I started actually reading the Bible for the first time as an adult <laughs> on my own. Um, and I was, I mean, I was excited. I was enthusiastic. I was so hungry to learn um, all of these things that I never had before. And um, uh, my experience was, I, I liken it to this, it's, it's like you, you take all these upper division, upper level courses without taking any of the 101s. And I, I was just like searching for all this information. I had no basics whatsoever. Um, but I was genuine and I was really, really enthusiastic. And um, but the thing is, is that, you know, just because you decide to go to church doesn't mean that you're changed in a day. <laughs> and there was a lot of me still in me, <laughs> a lot of self. And so I remember doing things like, you know, I found the great controversy and then I read it through all in like, you know, two days. And then I took the Bible and then I, I read it through all in like a week just to say that I did it. And it was like, yeah, it's all head knowledge, but I didn't get anything out of it because the whole purpose was that, you know, I, I just, I wanted to do it. I wanted to achieve it. That's all I knew how to do at this point was to achieve, was to, was to do 110%, to do better, to do better, to do better than anyone else. Except I'm not competing with anyone. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I do these things, but I'm really searching. I really, really genuinely... I'm searching and something is missing. I don't know who God is at this point. I'm trying to figure it out. And at this point, several things happened. One of them was that I started getting work as an actor again um, a few months later. And I start living these two tracks. Um, one is an actor, one with God. And it kind of just starts going on. Uh, for a few years. The other thing that happened was that um, my grandparents' health was deteriorating, so they moved in with us, which meant that we had to move to uh, a bigger home. 
Um, so we moved to a suburbs, uh, a small suburb right outside of LA, which meant that we were even further away from our old church than we were before. So we decided to go to a new church, a new Seventh-day Adventist church. Um, it was a smaller one and we got involved there and we found uh, a pretty close church family. Um, and, and we got to be pretty good friends with, with a lot of them. Um, and so I'm feeling as I'm, as I'm studying more, I'm feeling more and more convicted as I'm living these two lives to quit acting, except every time I'm seriously starting to think about it, I get another job. Um, so it's just kind of like this tug of war back and forth, back and forth. And uh, it all basically comes to a head um, around the holidays. One year is the end of the year. And around this time, you know, families are coming back into town. Children are coming back from school. And um, at one of these holiday social gatherings, uh, I start talking to the son of this couple who... Um, we've made good friends with at church and he had just come back from PT school and um, we started talking about this ministry that he wanted to start with uh, these guy friends of his and as we started talking more and more it came to the point where we were like hey I could have a part in this ministry and it was exactly like, I, I was so, so happy. I was like, yes, finally, like, I get a, a community and people around me, and, and I can take this next step, and, and I can do something. I can do something for God. I can do something for God. Um, but that's where I was at the time. And, and, and again, it was genuine. <laughs> I, I was excited. Um, except, uh, so we... we we planned, okay, let's actually officially start this ministry in the new year. The only thing was, was that I had a job, an acting job, at the same time. Um, this was only a couple weeks away. And so uh, I said, you know, no, 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 it's okay, never mind, I'll handle it. Because I could always handle it. Um, I, I'll just figure it out, on my own. Uh, I'll do both. So, um... The new year comes, and uh, I go to my job, my acting job, and a couple hours later, I get a phone call that I was fired. Uh, and it was like a bucket of cold water in my face, because for me, that took me straight back to 2010, uh, when I couldn't get work, and I had to foreclose, and I realized that I needed someone other than myself. That was that was what it did. That's what it was for. And I suddenly realized, um, you know, you've been promising God to quit and reneging and promising and reneging, promising and reneging. And so the next day I called up my agent and I quit. And that very, very weekend, just a few days later, I went down to Loma Linda, and I started a ministry with Ryan, because that's who I had been talking to, and all of his guy friends. So we pick it back up. I had met this uh, actress at the time, and um, 
Yeah. And so she had a lot of interest, obviously, in coming down and, and helping out with this ministry, which I, it was very interesting. So um, a whole other story we can't don't have time for today. And so anyways, so Christy starts coming down every weekend to Loma Linda. She doesn't live in Loma Linda. She just travels down every weekend when we do our, when we started our, our, our ministry. And one of the things that we started, um, and actually, you know, before I go into this, I just want to, I want to back out so you guys understand something. In our lives, Christy and I obviously could have met more separate in our experience, in our struggles, but yet so much the same. We were so much the same in our need for God, but we didn't realize it, and God brought us through this experience. But you'll notice in 2010, we believe was divine intervention, where both of our lives would change courses, and they would eventually create impact at this ministry. And then what God did at this time was very interesting, because if you recall, Nick Nick said, I got just the Bible studies for you guys. And remember, Christy and I grew up in Adventist homes. We grew up hearing about all this stuff. But we had never actually sat down and learned what we believe as Seventh-day Adventists about the Bible. So these studies were actually created by a medical student. His name is John Shin. Um, some of you might know that name. You might not. Anyways, but John Shin created these Bible studies while he was in medical school. He sacrificed medical school time to create these Bible studies. And when you give your time to the Lord and you don't even, you, you won't even see the repercussions of it. Maybe you don't know. You might just have planted a seed, but John gave his time. He gave these studies and Nick brought these studies to this Bible, to our little men's study group. And none of us had learned about the sanctuary in detail. None of us had learned about prophecy. Like, like it was explained in these studies. None of us had learned about, the millennium, about the judgment, about the law of God, and all these amazing things. We'd heard about all these things, and we, you know, we, we, we talk about it. But when you sit down, and when you're, in, when you're searching, and you want to find something concrete to believe in, that's what this did for us. So for me, I was blown away at the sanctuary. I was just like, oh my goodness, the plan of salvation is here. <laughs> and I said, and oh my goodness, God has predicted that he's coming back again soon. And all of a sudden, identity came. I was like, there's a purpose. God is in the sanctuary right now, 1844, our heritage. God is in the sanctuary right now ministering for us. And all of a sudden, instead of this emotion that I had of like, oh, God's close. No, I had a thus saith the Lord now. And that, that is a true experience, right? Now that is part of the true experience is understanding. And so Christy and I were coming to this understanding of what it, what we believe the Seventh-day Adventists. And it was making sense. We were convicted. We're like, this makes sense. And this is true. Along the way, um, we were also becoming, um, you know, like emotionally closer together, if you will. Uh, we were going spiritually and emotionally together. Um, and uh, to make a somewhat long story um, short for time's sake, um, Christy and I uh, would continue to spend a lot of time together. We started to connect because we were both on a spiritual journey together. We were very equally yoked, if you will, in our spiritual experience and our need to learn more. So we grew together and we realized that we, um, it, and by the way, in this ministry, we started to create outreaches. We started to actually put our learning into action. And when we did that, Christy and I knew like we wanted to and when we did it together, even though we're very different, we're very different. But 
when we acknowledge that God brought us together for a common purpose, we're very powerful together. And it's the same way with all of us. When we recognize our, our strengths that God has given us and we ask God to lead it, we can be powerful together. And so Christy and I eventually came together and not too long after this, we would, um, we would uh, start courting. <laughs> and then two years later, we, we would get married. Um, and again, I'm fast forwarding a little bit. So we would get married um, with our little dog, Beatrix down here in her little sweater. <laughs> Um, and then that's not our wedding photo, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's not, <laughs> yeah, it's not, um, this is on the day of the wedding and there she is down there. Um, so, <laughs> all right. So, um, if you'll notice the person in the front is our, is the person who married us and you probably couldn't see him very well in the other picture. This is Nick. Nick had a, an ability to marry people because he had, he, he's, he's, not, he's not an ordained minister in the, in the Adventist church. He just has a, you know, you go online and you <laughs> become a pastor. And so he, but he, he had one and, and we asked him to marry us because he was, he was just listening to the word of God and he brought these studies and it changed our lives. And so Christy and I got married uh, in 2014. And um, as we uh, wrap up here, we just want to share with you what God is currently teaching us through our marriage. Yeah, so um, you may have heard that uh, <laughs> marriage um, is like a mirror uh, that, that someone holds up to you and it magnifies all your flaws. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's really true. <laughs> Ryan and I really learned that. Um, it, it wasn't until after we were married that... Um, you know, we, we started to, to understand who we really were compared to God. Like, you know, who, who you really actually are. Um, all of your flaws, all of the sins, secret and public that you have. Um, and this is when for us, like just a few years ago, that the, the need... Um, that we first felt that was just this raw, something's missing. And all the head knowledge that we had collected over the years, all of it kind of came together and um, came here, uh, into the heart. Um, so it just kind of all gelled and, and just came together. And it was marriage that showed us that. Um, but I think that there are lots of different mirrors um, not only through marriage, but mirrors, and you can definitely see them in the Bible that are held up to people. And there are two options, really, that you can, you can do. They're really at the end of the day. You can deny that uh, what you see is there, and you can run away. Um, or you can accept that what you see is there, and you can give it to God. So that he can transform you, and that he can help you to overcome um, from where you are. And so uh, I just wanted to go really quickly, if we could go to 1 Samuel 13. Um, we were obviously looking at our, you know, theme verse, and we were looking at the life of Jonathan and looking at the people around him. And I know um, Dean briefly covered this last night in his message. I just wanted to go on and, in chapter 13. You know, this is the chapter before our theme verse. So th these are the events setting up what Jonathan does. And I I wanted us to look at the character of Saul, infamous Saul, his infamous behavior. In this chapter, he explicitly disobeys 
the Lord's commandment by offering the burnt offering in Samuel's stead, right? And so he does this, and then right after he does, Samuel comes. So Samuel arrives, and starting in verse 11, I wanted us to read what Saul says and what his reaction is. And this is not, a mirror hasn't even been held up to him yet, but he says, Uh, It says, and Samuel said, what hast thou done? And Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered from me and that thou camest not within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. And he continues on and says, I forced myself therefore and offered a burnt offering. So in this verse alone, I see one thing. This tells us one thing about the character of Saul is that all of those things that he mentioned, all those people that he mentioned didn't have anything to do with him. So all the reasons that he gave for his own actions didn't have one thing to do with himself. Um, And he doesn't look at himself. We can see this throughout the life of Saul. He, He has a hard time looking at himself and admitting to himself what he is, uh, which consequently, uh, what that means is that you really don't feel your need for anyone. If you're the one who didn't do anything wrong, and it was uh, the fact that your army was deserting, and that uh, Samuel the prophet didn't come on time, so you said, and that the, your enemy was gathering together and they're about to attack, and none of it has to do with you, but everyone else, then you don't really need anyone. And um, I wanted to contrast this with Jonathan's life. So in just the next chapter, where our theme verse is, um, you know, I think we, we, we think of Jonathan as someone who's courageous and loyal and faithful and all of those things he is. But I'd like to bring up another aspect of his character. And I think that it's probably... No, I believe that it is the most significant part of his character for us in these last days. And it's that he really, truly understood his need for a savior. And that's why he got to be courageous and strong and loyal and faithful. It was all because he knew that he had a personal savior. And in just our theme verse, okay, so let's see. So, so in, in three different verses, in this chapter alone, the only times that, he, that Jonathan himself mentions God, he refers to him as his savior, specifically as his deliverer. So verse six, he says, it may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And then in verse 10 again, he says, for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand. And in verse 12, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. Everything about God that Jonathan mentions is the fact that he's a savior and a deliverer. And not only a, the, the savior, the deliverer. And he's a personal one at that. And you may have also noticed that Jonathan um, is a type of John the Baptist. So he is a forerunner to David the same way that John the Baptist was a forerunner for Christ. Um, in just, and we won't go there, but uh, in chapter 18, he literally 
uh, Jonathan as the heir to the throne, he literally gives his clothes, the robe off his back, his belt, his weapons, whatever he has, and he gives them to David. He's heralding the king to be, giving it from, from his own hopes and his dreams. Um, so, if we are the heralds of Christ's second coming, if we are to usher in his second coming, what can we learn from the character of Jonathan? Um, is there a, a heart work to be done? Is there a looking inward of ourselves and a, a searching of who we really are? I submit to you that there is. There's, there's a deep, deep need. It's our greatest need is to first look at ourselves and who we are in comparison to God. And I think it's inevitable that if you actually do that and accept who you are, you will understand um, in a heart sense that you have a need for a savior. I'd like to close with just this quote here. Um, This is from a review in Herald. Um, This is a quote that um, I think is very powerful, especially for the days that we're living in. Um, She says, A revival of true godliness among us is the greatest and most urgent of all our needs. To seek this should be our first work. There must be earnest effort to obtain the blessing of the Lord, not because God is not willing to bestow his blessing upon us, but because we are unprepared to receive it. But it is our work by confession, humiliation, repentance, and earnest prayer to fulfill the conditions upon which God has promised to grant us his blessing. And then check this out. We have far more to fear from within than from without. The hindrances to strength and success are far greater from the church itself than from the world. Guys, I can tell you this right now. Um, I interact with quite a few people um, um, that, are not, that don't believe in God. And, and the one thing that all the world is looking for is true godliness. Not necessarily the teachings. The teachings are part of it. But they're looking for the teachings to be applied to the life. And the only way that we can actually uh, um, come to that realization, I believe, is when we spend time reflecting on ourselves and allowing God to search our hearts. Um, and I'll just leave you with a verse you can... Or do you have the verse? Psalm 119. Um, this verse... Thank you. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. So we just want to leave you guys this morning um, with the challenge and the encouragement that um, we can all live lives prepared for God's coming. Um, If you've had an experience like Christy or I, remember, keep giving God time in prayer. There was a reason that Jesus would leave his disciples and spend time alone in prayer. It was to reflect. It was to speak to the Father. This is our first work. Spend time understanding who you are so you can give it to God. Let him show you who you are so that you can give it to him and then be revived for his coming. Let's pray. 
Father in heaven, we're so thankful for uh, this opportunity to be here together at GYC. Lord, each and every event, Lord, we just pray that we don't come to these events and then leave the same. But Father, that we will allow you to search our hearts, that you will show us any wickedness that is in us. Father, that we may surrender it to you and experience the full joy of having the Son glorified in our lives. We ask and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take a sacrificial initiative for Christ. To download other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.